the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a lunatic convention. That's right. Tomorrow, the Democratic candidates for president are going to be in town for a conference on education. It will include Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Pete Buttigieg, all of whom think college should be free and all of whom love public schools and hate school choice, even though Betty Warren sent her kid to a private school. It's going to be televised on MSNBC, which means at least one lunatic from that network will also be in town. When we come back after the break, we'll talk to someone about the idiotic idea of free college and the elimination of college debt. But first, it's Friday, and you know what that means. And now, it's time for The Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Yeah, we thought about making Megan Rapinoe the Jerk of the Week after she was named Sports Person of the Year by Sports Illustrated, but that wouldn't be fair. It's not her fault that Sports Illustrated was annoying enough to make her Sports Person of the Year. So we're going to give the Windows or Us Jerk of the Week award to Sports Illustrated. People up there will be happy to share it, I'm sure. The story, uh, written by Jenny Vrentas, uh, prints out to nine pages uh, on my computer. And eight and a half pages is Jenny slobbering over uh, Megan for, quote, playing the game on the world stage under attack by a world leader. As though it takes courage these days for anybody to use a big stage to show how woke they are. And according to the story, Megan's pose after she scored the winning goal for the U.S. women's team against the Netherlands in the World Cup is the iconic sports picture of 2019. No, it's not. But you know what Sports Illustrated is? This week's Windows Are Us Jerk of the Week. The Jerk of the Week is brought to you by Windows R Us, Pittsburgh's premier exterior replacement company. Expert repair and replacement for windows, roofs, siding, doors, gutters, and downspouts. Why pay double? Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what we might expect from that conference on education tomorrow with all the Democrats in town. Stick around. Confusing, tedious, worse than a math test. That's how most Americans describe shopping for health insurance. Yep, open enrollment is here again. You have until December 15th to choose something very expensive that you hope to never use. And if that makes you want to stick a red-hot poker in your eye, call Marley Financial. Marley has every plan available in the tri-state, but they also offer some of the most innovative solutions to tackle the high cost of health care. Heard of first dollar benefits, the most expensive part of a health plan? They're great if you visit the doctor a lot or take medications, but if you're healthy, why pay it? A catastrophic plan through Marley may be all you need. Or how about a high deductible plan you can pair with a supercharged HSA? Not all plans qualify, but Marley's do, offering double benefits to cut your out-of-pocket costs in half. Call Marley Financial today at 724-884-1496 for a custom-designed health plan with the coverage you need at a price that's right for you. 724-884-1496 or at MarleyFG.com. Once upon a time, many years ago, customers would find your business with this big, thick book full of phone numbers and competitors' phone numbers. It was a heavy, cumbersome, yellowish-looking thing. I believe they called it a phone book. You'd place your ad in the book and hope customers would call. Hello? We've come a long way. Now, there's Salem Surround. We help deliver customers right to your front door with targeted digital marketing. These are the tools of the 21st century smart businesses use to succeed. And our team at Salem Surround can guide you through all the available options with the expertise to manage all your digital marketing under one roof so you can spend time taking care of your customers. Get started with a free evaluation of your digital presence and some great ideas to increase your online visibility and revenue. With Salem Surround, there are no limitations on how and where 
where you can reach customers. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Let's face it, we love Alexa, and we love to let her find your favorite radio station. This one, of course. We love it, too, when she finds us. But she could find us easier if we taught her a simple skill. To get started, simply say, Alexa, enable the answer Pittsburgh skill. After she confirms, you can then say, Alexa, play the answer Pittsburgh. That's all you have to do, and Alexa will learn how to find us. You can listen to us through your Amazon Echo, Echo Show, Echo Dot, and Amazon Tap devices. Alexa, what is your favorite radio station? That's easy. AM 1250, the answer. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Do you have brain fog and lack of energy during the day? If so, take back your vitality and clarity with all-natural Cola Gel, newly discovered jellyfish collagen peptides that aids with brain and memory support. Cola Gel is all-natural with no side effects. Edible jellyfish collagen uniquely supplies the body with multiple collagen peptides and naturally occurring minerals that fuels our cellular system with energy-rich compounds. Jellyfish Jellyfish Collagen is a nutritive formula that promotes optimum neurological activity and improves cognitive memory. Receive your first bottle free plus shipping by visiting longevitybynature.biz and enter promo code COLAGEL. That's longevitybynature.biz and enter promo code COLAGEL. K-O-L-L-A-J-E-L-L. Get your first bottle free plus shipping by visiting longevitybynature.biz promo code COLAGEL. Eliminate brain fog and lack of energy with COLAGEL at longevitybynature.biz. That's longevitybynature.biz nature.biz whether you're a candidate looking to advance your career or a company looking to advance your business advanced sourcing concepts is your bridge to success advanced sourcing concepts matches highly qualified workers with highly reputable companies advanced sourcing concepts brings a high touch approach to human resources as a candidate your personal recruiter works with you to find opportunities that best fit your goals for employers they're your private talent scout letting you focus on business while they find the first draft picks to deepen your bench a certified woman-owned company advanced sourcing concepts has built a strong reputation for providing top quality talent for direct hire contract hire and project-based positions here at home and across the nation and are recognized by recruit military as a veteran hiring leader visit ascpeople.com for active job posting then call 412-415-5090 and cross your bridge to success 412-415-5090 at ascpeople.com you're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Several Democrats running for president are going to be in town tomorrow for an all-day conference on education. Going to be televised on uh, live on MSNBC. You can be sure they're going to spend a good bit of time talking about how college should be free, college loan debt should be wiped out, and of course, uh, you know, paid for by you and me. Well, Beth Akers is a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and author of a book called Game of Loans, The Rhetoric and Reality of Student Debt. She joins us now. Thanks for being here, Beth. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, John. So uh, I see from your piece that uh, fewer than four out of ten kids who start college end up with a degree. Uh, that seems like a lot of kids or a lot of parents were both uh, you know, paying back a lot of money that wasn't very well spent. Yeah, exactly right. You know, you hear a lot in the media about people with these six-figure student debt loads. For the most part, those people also have six-figure incomes and are doing just fine. The people that we should be worrying about are the ones with the less scary numbers, just a couple thousand dollars in debt because they started a degree but didn't finish. These are lower earners in our economy, and they're the ones who are really struggling the most. I, I have a feeling, I just thought of this now, uh, that when these uh, Democrats meet here tomorrow to talk about education and uh, are grilled by uh, MSNBC, um, I... I, I have a. I just doubt that that number is going to be thrown around too much about only less than four or ten graduating for all the money that's put in. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, I mean, our our higher education system is, is not this flawless pathway to career and high earnings that we always hope and wish it would be. Um, you know, they're going to be talking about free college regimes. Uh, what we know about where they've been implemented in other countries um, does not suggest that we would necessarily have improvements in those graduation rates either or the completion rates closing the gap between the rich and the poor. Um, it just seems like the plans that are on the table are, aren't addressing those challenges. Yeah, but, but you and I would still be paying for it. 
correct? I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I got to pay for exactly the kid down right. the street to go to college. That's what that's what Bernie wants me to do. That's exactly right. And I'll tell you what my biggest issue is with these plans is that today the highest income students or the highest income young people are the ones who go on and go to college. That will not change if we change to a free college regime. So what happens is that taxpayer dollars are now supporting a socialized system that really benefits the more well-off people in society. Uh, Some people are getting hammered for not endorsing a free college, uh, Pete Buttigieg in particular, has said he doesn't want to pay for the children of billionaires to go to school. Well, I'm less concerned about the, the, the children of billionaires and more concerned that it really just is leaving out the most needy people in the economy. Same thing with student loan forgiveness. If you look at who has debt, it's largely held by the highest earners in our economy. And that's not a surprise if you think about the fact that the people who pay a lot for education, borrow a lot for education, and then get advanced degrees are the highest earners. So, you know, giving away money to refund those student loans for those people will be really a huge giveaway to the rich. And if you major in gender studies and you come out and you uh, wonder why you're not, you know, people aren't begging for you to come to work for them and pay you lots of money, you probably shouldn't be surprised, should you? Well, you know, unfortunately, in the past, I can't blame students for going down that path and thinking that it was going to lead to prosperity because we celebrate college in this country as if it's just the golden ticket, right? Uh-huh. We've got politicians, policymakers, cultural leaders just, you know, pushing everyone into a college degree without a lot of discussion about what you're going to study, where you're going to study, how much you're going to pay for it. I think it's led a lot of people to think, I just have to get in and through almost at any cost and I'm going to have something that's worthwhile for me. Um, We're starting to see that conversation change a bit because the federal government, um, first under the Obama administration, and it was expanded under the Trump administration, is publishing data that gives the earnings by major by college. So now if I'm someone who thinks a gender studies program is a great idea for me, I can log into the Department of Education website and see, oh, look, coming out of, SUNY Albany, my alma mater, they're making just $20,000 a year or whatever it is. And then I can make a you know, cost-benefit analysis for myself and decide if that's the right thing. But we don't have enough people doing that today, but, and that's what's really the blame for that is the way that we've over-celebrated college degrees in this country, in my opinion. Uh, but the colleges still get to keep the money that was spent in pursuit of the degree that they didn't get. Seems like a pretty good deal for the colleges. That's exactly right. And it's something that I'm concerned about. So, you know, we have this market-based system for higher education, which means that students and their families are largely paying the price for them to get education. The government is also a huge consumer of higher education because we pump huge subsidies into that market in the form of grants, subsidized loans, and tax credits for people who are in college. Um, the colleges are basically riding off of this and have relatively little obligation to prove that what they're doing is valuable to society. But they get to stay on this river of cash coming both from students and from the government. Something that I'm keen on is seeing us actually increase the regulation and accountability systems on these colleges so that they are sharing in the risk that gov- that the government, taxpayers, and students are taking when they're starting a degree. So I'd, I'd like to see that colleges are on the hook when their students struggle financially after they graduate. And so how, how can that be fixed? How do you go about doing that? Well, I'll tell you, right now, there's a little-known program that actually forgives student loans that are unaffordable to borrowers. Most people don't know that. You know, we've got Democrats in the primary talking about loan forgiveness as if it's uh, a brand new idea. It already exists. We just have, uh, we require that people stay making reduced payments for a long period of time. And if it turns out that it's actually still affordable, unaffordable for them after 20 years, then we forgive the debt. It's a way of figuring out how to give the money to people who really need it the most. And so the one who pays for that is the federal government. And so we've got students ponying up, we've got the government ponying up, and the colleges are only ones who are not paying. So in that instance, when a student gets loan forgiveness from the federal government, which is, I think, a reasonable policy, I want us to put a premium back onto the college and institutions, colleges and universities, to cover some of that cost so that they have an incentive to only enroll students in programs that will lead to success in the labor market. And then if it doesn't work what they're doing, they're on the hook to pay. 
Yeah, I, I was going to say I don't. I, I don't think I should be happy to hear that the the loans are already being paid by the federal government because the federal government is me. That's my right. my tax money going to that, and uh, that's not something I would ever be in favor of doing. Um, that doesn't seem like it's a program that's. Uh, and I think you write about this. It's it's not a well known program. At least not it's not talked about much in the media. I don't know how much it's known among the people who use it and who need to use yeah, it. Yeah, it's not a well known program. And interestingly, it's a program that benefits again the the highest balanced borrowers who tend to be people who have gone to graduate and professional schools and end up with the potential to make high earnings. We know that graduate programs and law schools are even coaching their students on how to get loan forgiveness through these things. The people who need it the most are, again, those people with just small balances who very likely are unaware that these programs exist. So, you know, I would tend to be in favor of an individual responsibility sort of system for student loans that you sign up for the loan, you pay it back. But I also recognize kind of to balance it out that we rely a lot on individual responsibility in our economy. And the one mechanism we have for people to be socially and economically mobile is education. So my feeling is that it really does need to work. And so putting a safety net of some form, not its current form, but of some form is reasonable in my position. Well, we we have a people like uh, the Democrats who are running for president who are running around saying that the college should be free and the debts sh- should be eliminated, but they uh, and they they are they don't seem shy at all about wanting to have the government step in and take over uh, uh, industries businesses to uh, make sure that they're not gouging people. Why don't we see mm-hmm. that same enthusiasm for colleges? who have raised tuition costs by a ridiculous degree compared to inflation over the last, I don't know, you probably know them better than I do, 25, yeah. 30 years. Yeah. So I'm an economist. So when I look at education, I see this is a pathway to make more money. This is a means to an end. I look at surveys of students, and 90% of them tell you the reason I go to college is to make more money. But the way that people, particularly those who are in favor of free college regimes, are talking about college is as if it's some sort of magical experience that everyone should have a human yeah. right to access. Right. Um, I, I don't think I'll be able to convince someone with that position um, that a financial cost-benefit analysis is the right way to think about this question, unfortunately. But I think that's where the divide is, um, is that there's, there's some sort of infinite social value that, that, in their opinion, seems to come from having a universally free higher education system, and, and I, I don't buy it. We're talking to Beth Aker. She's a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. She's the author of the book Game of Loans, The Rhetoric and Reality of Student Debt. Um, So how do we get to the point that the federal government is the single largest purchaser of post-secondary education services in the United States? Yeah. Well, even with a very conservative framework, economic framework, you can justify government spending on education through the belief that there are social goods that comes from education. So that is, I go to college, I get my degree, I earn more money because of it, but also my country is better off because of it. I contribute to innovation, I pay more in taxes, maybe I rely less on social safety nets. So even from a very conservative perspective, there is a justification for government spending on higher education. How much that should be is unfortunately a theoretical question. And uh, it, it seems likely to me, though, that the, the level at which we're subsidizing higher education currently may be too high. But I'm actually more concerned about the ways in which we subsidize higher education. The fact that we've got this tremendously huge student loan portfolio that's being run by the Department of Education is, is probably not ideal. This is not a financial entity that's administering these loans, and we see year after year, news cycle after news cycle problems with the way in which they're administering, overseeing, and servicing these loans. What it, uh, I, so it seems to me that what you're describing is a pretty large incentive for colleges to keep their tuition costs high the way the system is right now. Why would they have any reason to make college cheaper? Yeah, they don't. They largely don't. So colleges are competing on prestige right now. We know that students who go to college, very unfortunately, tend to not even know how much they're paying or not have a great idea. I have did some survey research at uh, large public state universities, 
and confirmed that students didn't know how much they were paying or how much they were borrowing. And that was even a few short months after they'd signed their first um, loan promissory note and enrolled in school. So, you know, in theory, colleges could be competing on price to say, look, I, I offer this great value compared to that college over there, and I'm cheaper, right? That's how things work in a marketplace. Um, but because of all of the subsidies and the, the lack of transparency in the way that we price college, um, largely due to the government intervention, but also due to us letting colleges get, get away with these things on the belief that they're these benevolent institutions, we've ended up clouding the picture for people so that there really is just not an effective um, level of competition on price in higher education. And until that gets rectified, I don't think we'll see this trend of rapid inflation going away anytime soon. And the, the headline of your piece, I think, at the Manhattan Institute uh, talks about risk sharing. So that's mm-hmm. that's pretty much what you're talking about here, just uh, and, and that the colleges are not um, sharing in the risk at all, or at least not, not enough, if at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So the idea of risk, right? We talk a lot about how college is so expensive, and that is a problem. But for people who are paying a really high price tag, it often goes on to be worth it, right? So in that case, I'm paying $100,000 for a degree, but I earn an extra million dollars over the course of my lifetime because I have that degree. That's a pretty good trade, actually. I'm less concerned about price. I like to frame the problem as being about risk. It's that if I'm a young person thinking about enrolling in college, I don't know if I'm going to be one of those ones who sees an extra million dollars in earnings because of my degree or I'm somebody who's going to drop out. So we've got to reframe the problem that policymakers should be solving as that of risk. And then we've got to get colleges and universities in the game of bearing some of that risk. Um, that does two things. Protect the students from having to face the potential downside of paying for college when it doesn't work. But it also aligns the incentives so that students win or colleges win when students win. Um, there are some innovative training programs out there that are outside of the, the federal loan system that they have their financing system set up like this entirely. So. Um, they don't ask for anything up front. They just get a percentage of their students' income after they graduate. And it's very clear to see there that they, they don't get paid unless the students succeed. I'd like to see a model that looks more like that in our federal accountability structure. So if you were to show up at this conference tomorrow, uh, what question would you ask Bernie Sanders or what statement might you make to him to get a comment out of him? You know, as I said before, I think the crux of my disagreement with them about free college comes down to how they assess the value of education. So I think I'd press him on explaining just exactly, you know, why he believes that the benefit, um, even if not measured in financial terms, exceeds the cost. And, you know, that's a tough one to argue against. I think it's going to come down to a religious belief about what it is that, that education means. How can parents be sure they're picking a school for their kid that has a good record of producing uh, graduates who can not only, you know, make a good living, but pay back their loan? Great question. So 10 years ago, it would be very difficult or impossible. Under the Obama administration, the Department of Education started to publish graduate earnings and loan default rates by college so that there's a website I can go on and check. It's called the College Scorecard. And just recently, the Trump administration expanded that data so that I can now go in and see what do students coming out of this major at this college make after they graduate and how well are they succeeding in paying down their loans. It's it's not a hugely customer-friendly website, but uh, it's really important for people to check out, compare those lifetime earnings or the the early earnings that are um, revealed in that data to how much you're having to pay and, and really think of it as a cost-benefit analysis. Don't don't be picking colleges based on the sports teams, based on how pretty the quad is or how good the dining halls are. I mean, we're all guilty of making those sorts of choices, but this is a really, really high-stakes financial decision, um, and th- that data should be the driving force in thinking about whether or not and where to go. Hey, I have 15 seconds. I'm out of time. Uh, I really appreciate you being here, Beth. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, that's Beth Akers, and she's the author of the book uh, called The Game of Loans, The Rhetoric and Reality of Student Debt. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The Supreme Court has announced it will hear pleas to keep President Trump's tax, bank, and financial records private. The justices are poised to issue decisions in June. 
The House Judiciary Committee voted to approve two articles of impeachment against President Trump. Bernie Bennett reports from Capitol Hill. Committee Chairman Gerald Nadler explained to reporters what the committee has done. For the third time in a little over a century and a half, the House Judiciary Committee has voted articles of impeachment against the president. Republican committee member Matt Gates of Florida also told the press that Democrats continue to ignore the damage they do through this process. With no direct evidence, with no enhanced public support for impeachment, Democrats will continue to visit the opportunity costs for this division on our country. The articles now move to the Rules Committee for approval. On Wall Street, the Dow by three points. This is SRN News. Sebastian Gorka here for Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that was formulated by doctors to help your body deal with inflammation and pain. The reason I've told so many of my friends about the three-week quick start is because as we get older, occasional aches and pains can be a real problem, keeping you from sleeping through the night or doing the things you love and need to do, like taking walks or playing golf, going up or downstairs, or simply playing with your kids or grandkids. Tens of thousands are now like me, glad they ordered the three-week quick start for just nineteen ninety-five. After years of back pain, I found relief, and I believe you could too. Folks, this is why the father and son owners of Relief Factor, Pete and Seth Talbot, created the three-week quick start, and they discounted it to only nineteen ninety-five. Approximately 70% of those who order it go on to order more. Let's see if we can get you out of pain too. Go to relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or call 800-500-8384. Hugh Hewitt reminds the Republicans of what they need to do. Uh, Republicans have got to make clear in every appearance, Russia attacked our election in 2016. There is no denying that. The only question is whether or not Ukraine did as well, and the president asking for an investigation into whether or not they did, however elegantly or inelegantly, asked, is legit. The Hugh Hewitt Show, weekday mornings at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9 on AM 1250. The Answer. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. As we enter this holiday season, we've stopped to reflect on what we're grateful for. This is Greg Trzynski, and at the Original Mattress Factory, we're grateful for you, our loyal customers. With your support, more than half of our business comes from repeat customers and referrals. And we have been hometown-made for nearly 30 years. So thank you. We look forward to building new relationships and providing the high quality and great value that you've come to expect from the Original Mattress Factory. We wish you and your family a happy and healthy holiday season and a wonderful new year. Here at the Original Mattress Factory, we want to know, is it better to give or to receive? This holiday season, one local winner won't have to choose. In the spirit of the season, we will be giving away a queen-size orthopedic luxury firm mattress set to a local winner and providing another set to be donated to a nearby charity. Visit any Original Mattress Factory location by December 18th to enter and for all official rules. No purchase is necessary to win, but eligibility restrictions do apply. We wish you and your family a holiday season that's filled with cheer and goodwill. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On northbound 79, some heavy delays from 60. Up to near 51, it crashes off to the shoulder. Also having northbound Mount Nebo Road up to 910. J.D. side, a crash Negley Avenue at 320. Outbound on 28, slow Veterans Bridge to 40th Street. Inbound Route 8 to the 31st Street Bridge. There's out lots of volume. Parkway east outbound Boulevard of the Allies to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Parkway West also stacks up outbound 79 to Campbell's Run Road. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Rain tonight, low 35. Rain changing to snow tomorrow, high 40. Cloudy and windy tomorrow night with a couple of snow showers. Low 31. 
Sunday, cloudy and breezy, high 36. Sunday night, cloudy with a flurry around low 25. Monday, cloudy, a bit of morning snow, followed by 1 to 3 inches of snow, sleet, and rain at times in the afternoon, high 40. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, what happened in the U.K. yesterday might be really bad news for the Democrats. A socialist, Jeremy Corbyn, didn't just lose to a conservative. He got Walter Mondale. It was the biggest win for a conservative anywhere since Ronald Reagan in 1984. He was endorsed by Bernie Sanders and Alexandria overrated Cortez, both of whom have pointed to the U.K. and Scandinavian countries as the kind of socialist utopias that the United States should try to become. Chris Talgo is editor and research fellow at the Heartland Institute, and he did a, a detailed study on Sweden, Norway, and Denmark, and those two lunatics couldn't be more wrong. Chris, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So uh, I wondered if I could just ask you, before we get into what we have you on to talk about, if, uh, if um, you have any reaction to uh, Boris Johnson over there in uh, the U.K., and he defeated a what I... I guess is a real life socialist, didn't he? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm very excited. It, it shows that the British people, even uh, after all the trials and tribulations that they've been through, they are uh, on the right path, and it looks like Brexit is going to happen. I saw one uh, a piece. I think it was at the Federalist. The writer said that to get an idea here in America, what happened in uh, England yesterday would be like uh, Alexandria overrated uh, Cortez um, being elected president uh, and, and people in Kentucky, vote, you know, winning the state of Kentucky in the process. That's how, that's how much of a, a game changer it was over there yesterday. Exactly. And I, I'm, I'm very uh, hopeful. And I, I think that this is going to be a new era that uh, might, uh, actually cause other European countries to realize that their big government centrally planned economies are not working. So what, what is the one defining component of actual socialism? Uh, as, as far as uh, I understand, I think the, the uh, number one primary tenet of socialism is the uh, will of the collective always trumps the will of the individual. Yeah, and and it has to be the government has to be involved. So uh, they, you have to have the you have to have power behind you in order for that to happen. Exactly, and the uh, the, the government through uh, through terror basically uh, is able to uh, impede the will of the individual and always uh, make them shun to the uh, collective uh, vision that they that they foresee and and people like bernie sanders and alexandria uh they like to say that they're not calling for a system like cuba or venezuela or even the former soviet union but how close to those systems are they coming with what they are out there trying to sell so what what i think they're doing is that they're they're trying to paint their democratic socialism as this hybrid uh free market uh socialist uh, you know, new frontier. However, when you really dig deep into their uh, their plans and their policies, it actually does mimic what has been tried and failed time and time again, whether it's Cuba, the Soviet Union, or Venezuela. And um, included in that is uh, free uh, college, um, health care for all, you know, Medicare for all. Those are all uh, the things that they hang their hat on. What else? Well, when when uh, when you look into their their policies, such as the Green New Deal and uh, some you know some of the other things that they're pushing, uh, what what it really calls for is a is a uh, radical transformation of our economy in which uh, the government is is going to not take over uh, means of production, but so so regulate it and so control it that you know uh, by uh, by any uh, standard definition. The, the government will be in charge of your health care, your energy, all, almost everything that you consume. So you have no choice. So it's not government um, coming forward with a, a plan for people who can't afford it. It's 
Whether you can afford it or not, we don't want to hear about it. You're going to get our health care plan and like it. Exactly. And I think that uh, this this uh, notion that, oh, well, you can keep your, your private insurance uh, while we institute Medicare for all has been shown to be a sham because even uh, politicians such as Kamal Harris flat out said, no, we're going to take away your private insurance. It's a one-size-fits-all mentality and they are the ones that are constantly uh, touting that, oh, well, if the, if the government can just run it, we can do it better and more efficient. Sure. When we've all seen it, it's the exact opposite. And they don't just say it. They say it proudly that we're going to take exactly. you. They're happy to tell you that. So if you ask them, they'll tell you that they're talking about the Scandinavian countries or the U.K. But uh, you wrote a long uh, piece on this. Um, are those countries really socialist, at least in the way that those people think of socialism? No, not not at all. Uh, so what what I learned was that the Scandinavian socialists, uh, Scandinavian countries, did experiment with socialism uh, after World War II, and uh, what they what they realized in the 1970s and 1980s is that their their countries were falling apart. So what they've done over the last uh, 20 years is go in the exact opposite direction. And that has led to a resurgence uh, among those countries. And in a lot of ways, and the paper you know, points this out in, in uh, pretty intricate detail, those countries are now more free market than the United States. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, it's interesting you say that they, their countries were falling apart. Um, that's unusual, too, because usually it takes something uh, like what is happening in um, uh, Venezuela for them to get the clue that it's not working. Uh, these countries didn't, they saw that coming, what happened to Venezuela, and they nipped it in the bud. Is that what they did? Exactly. Uh, you know, thank, thank God for the citizens of those countries that their leaders and the people themselves realized that things were sliding in a really, really bad and dangerous direction. And what they did is they said, well, let's, let's enact some common sense reforms, and they have done that. Now, I'm not saying that they are free market havens by any means. They have very high taxes. Everyone pays those high taxes. But I also think that we need to keep in mind that those countries are very small. The populations are extremely homogeneous. So there is a notion that in, in those countries, we're all going to work hard. We're all going to pay into the system, but we're not going to take advantage of it. Uh, those countries, you're talking about um, Sweden, Denmark, and Norway, uh, um, they're the size of a state or two. That's about it here in the United States, right? Exactly. Uh, you know, we're talking the size of Maryland, and we're talking about the, the, uh, a population of, of, you know, no more than five or six million. The United States dwarfs these countries in terms of our, our size, in terms of our GDP, and in terms of our population. And I think that it's, it's very, very uh, difficult to make an uh, apples-to-apples comparison. So it's, it's idiotic and maybe a little dishonest or a lot dishonest for someone to throw those countries out there as uh, models for what the United States should strive for. Because anybody who knows exactly. economics knows that it's a, it's a false promise. Exactly. And, and, and one, one thing that I think really needs to be pointed out is that Norway uh, has a $1 trillion dollar Sovereign Wealth Fund, the largest in the entire world, and that is all based off its vast oil exports. So Bernie and, and, and AOC and their you know merry band of socialists, they're always telling us how terrible fossil fuels are and how we should be more like Norway. However, when you look at Norway's economy, it's completely dependent upon fossil fuel production. Wow, what a concept. And... Um... <laughs> And and you also mentioned that um, you talked about taxes. I, I was looking through the, your your piece on this, um, and we're talking to Chris Talgo, editor and research fellow at the Heartland Institute. Um, that you know, there's a lot of talk about making the rich pay their fair share. That's not a, they pay a lot of taxes over there uh, in the Scandinavian countries. I think it was uh, Sweden that you were talking about, or maybe Denmark, uh, that where the the taxes are high, but um, everybody pays the same. They don't soak the rich any more than they soak anybody else. It, that's a very vital point. So Bernie's always saying the rich aren't paying their fair share, the corporations aren't paying their fair share. 
in every single one of these Scandinavian countries in, in the report, uh, they had lower corporate income tax rates uh, throughout the last 20 years, only after the 2017 uh, tax cuts have we now become uh, uh, competitive with them on that level. But here's the kicker. Every single person in that country, we're talking the poorest of the poor to the richest of the rich, they all pay pretty much the same really high tax rates. We're talking 60% of total income. However, in the United States, our system is already way more progressive. The rich bear a huge amount of the burden here. And the, and, and the middle and working class, they're pretty much spared the uh, inordinately high taxes. So Bernie's system is already far more, uh, you know, soaking the rich, if you want to put it that way, here in the United States than they do over there. Is it a flat tax? They have actually a uh, national sales tax, a 25% VAT tax. And then on top of that, they have some pretty, uh, really high uh, 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 income taxes. And their uh, top bracket is actually uh, equivalent, equivalent to a uh, family making about $60,000 here in the United States. Yeah, and that's I, their top bracket. Yeah, I have a big problem with anybody having being forced to pay 60% of their income in taxes. That's that's uh, criminal, I think. But um, so, but how do they compare to the U.S. in private property rights, and how would what uh, Bernie Sanders has in mind be affected by that? So, so here's here's another uh, instance where Bernie is is just completely off his rocker. In, in the uh, Scandinavian countries, according to uh, multiple uh, studies, the Heritage Freedom Index, the Cato uh, Institute's uh, uh, you know, uh, annual study, uh, the Scandinavian countries have higher private property scores, higher business freedom scores, and many they, they really outpace the United States in terms of uh, you know, regulations and a whole bunch of other things. So there, uh, and, and th- there's a... They, there's a way to measure their proper their private property score uh, based. What is that based on? Their the government's willingness to leave people alone with their businesses and their property. I, I as as, uh, as the Heritage Foundation uh, study points out, it's it, it takes into effect uh, many uh, many indicators. Uh, one of them being uh, the uh, regulations uh, and just just other uh, common. Uh, uh, government uh, policies that would either uh, inflict or, uh, you know, allow a person or a corporation to uh, keep and uh, do what they want with their property. A lot of it is also banking uh, regulations. And one, and once again, what we saw, and, you know, the, the facts are the facts, uh, is that the Scandinavian countries, uh, by and large, have really embraced a pretty wide open free market system. That ain't what Bernie's talking about. <laughs> You're telling me. Uh, um, so um, there, this Sweden or any of these other Scandinavian countries, they are not socialist utopias. No, no, and and I think I think one of the things that is the uh, biggest uh, indicators of that is that their leaders, their prime ministers, are coming out and, and announcing to the world to uh, to to tell Bernie and, and uh, others. Stop calling a socialist. We're not socialist, and I think that is the probably uh, you know one of the most uh, indicative uh, reasons to show that Bernie Bernie's saying they're one thing, but then the people and the leaders in that in that country are saying, no, you're no, we're not. Please stop it. You're 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 hurting our country's reputations. Well, you know, one of my favorite lines in a movie was from uh, Austin Powers, and one of his it might have been his first one, the Austin Powers movie. He said, in a perfect world, there would be no need for utopia. Which I, that is very, very true. <laughs> I think that's, that was a very wise thing for him to say. So um, is, would the U.S. be better off adapting some of their policies or vice versa, do you think, after looking at all that? So one, one of the things we also uh, you know, write about is how even with their uh, their uh, uh, credit of the grave uh, entitlement programs, and and they they do have you know some some very robust uh, benefit programs. Even with that, um, the United States uh, most Americans are better off here than they are there. However, this is I think a very interesting point. Scandinavians 
in the United States are even better off than Americans and better off than uh, Scandinavians in their own country. So I, I, I really think that there's a cultural factor to this that, that most people are overlooking. Those countries have super strong work ethics. They have, you know, honesty on, and, and some of these other values have been handed down for thousands of years. And you can't just, uh, you know, through a government policy, you know, turn that on or off. Yeah, uh, I only have about a minute left. Um, it, it just seems strange to me that um, that some supposedly smart, at least educated people, are just all in on Bernie Sanders and think this is wonderful. And they walk around thinking that we'd become Sweden and that would be a good thing. I, I, I think that they really need to go and learn about these countries and learn what these countries have done over the past 20 to 30 years, because these countries did go down the, uh, the socialistic road, but they, they've reversed. They, they saw what was, what was coming and they knew it was bad. And, and over the last, uh, you know, few decades, they have, uh, you know, righted those wrongs. Well, hey, Chris, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you clearing this up. Not that it's going to clear it up for uh, the people who really have to have it cleared up for them, like the people who think that voting for Bernie Sanders would be a, a good idea, but you got to start somewhere, I guess, you know? Exactly. <laughs> hey, hey, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, too. That's uh, Chris Talgo, Research Fellow at the Heartland Institute. We'll be right back. Living in a very successful, affluent society for many people, yet it's also true that there are people that are being left out of that. And how do we reach those people? Joel Gilliam, Executive Director at Light of Life Rescue Mission on Pittsburgh's North Side. So part of what Light of Life does is that we help them in our education and employment program to connect with workforce development, to look at the skill gap that exists. And so we're partnering with places like the community college. We're taking our clients, once they are clean, and they are ready to move on, now they can actually get credentialed in an area where they can be hired to work with uh, UPMC or Google or or Amazon or these other places. And so it provides an on-ramp for those who are left out to get back involved in society. Help someone else find their comeback story. To become a monthly partner or make a one-time gift, visit lightoflife.org slash give today. lightoflife.org slash give. They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. And out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company, offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit Windows rspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit windowsrspittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off, Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday on the John Sagerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. You might wonder why Australians always seem so relaxed. Well, it comes down to sleep, and we can sleep like a koala full of gum leaves. So we've invented a solution to your sleep problems. It's called Pronto Sleep. Pronto Sleep is a two in one solution that helps you fall asleep and stay asleep. Pronto gently opens your nose to focus breathing so you can relax and fall into the land of Nod. And the built-in scent diffuser delivers a blend of four pure essential oils all night long for a butte sleep naturally. Then Pronto replenishes the oils ready for the next night. Clever, eh? And does it work? Well, in trials, 84% of people with trouble sleeping found Pronto helped them fall asleep. 74% found it helped them stay asleep. You'll find Pronto now at select Walgreens, Amazon or at prontosleep.com. Pronto Sleep is the gift of sleep from Australia. From RhinoMed, bringing you advanced nasal therapies. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free. If you have a rodent or pest problem at your home or business, don't spray harmful toxic chemicals. Use Plug-In Pest Free, the electromagnetic pest control device that uses your wiring to get rid of pests fast. Just plug it in. I know a pest controller who was contracted to get rid of a cockroach infestation in a restaurant. He tried everything, 
Even chemicals. Nothing worked. So he bought my plug-in pest-free pro, and a few weeks later, the cockroach problem was well under control, and he was able to keep his contract. Plug-in pest-free is not a sonic device. It's chemical-free and gets rid of pests safely and effectively for years. It comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a two-year warranty. Now that's fair income. Order today and get 20% off at gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. That's gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget with plug-in pest-free. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Okay, how about some stupidity to the to end the week? Have a couple minutes left here. Uh, homelessness is a problem out in California, uh, many cities. Um, they have, it's not just homeless. You know, it used to be one thing to have homeless people, which, by the way, uh, they used to be called bums or vagrants who were there, you know, living on the street and they would be told to get out or they would go to a mental institution or to uh, spend the night in jail or whatever. But uh, someone in Oakland has come up with an idea, a city council person uh, named uh, Rebecca Kaplan. She wants to put them on a cruise ship out there in Oakland. Uh, She says uh, it'd be a really good place for them. (laughs) They could go there when it's raining. Uh, You know, so uh, it makes perfect sense. Why not create an incentive for people to go down and poop on the streets of Oakland? Because if we catch you pooping on the street, the penalty will be you'll be staying at the in the on the Queen Mary or a ship something like it. Uh, the only problem with it is it will cost a ridiculous amount of money. Um, they they did this for the for um, the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina back in two thousand and five. The uh, FEMA put people up on a ship. And the only problem was that it ended up costing $50,000 for each person for uh, six months. $300 per person per night it was, it was what it ended up costing. So there you have it. There's the uh, beautiful state and city run by Democrats. Let's put the homeless people on a cruise ship. Another good week uh, here. A great week of producing by Aaron Byrne. Thanks to her. Thanks to you for listening. And I'll talk to Yins on Monday. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.